use this one, brother? Yeah, you're all set. Okay. Uh, buenas tardes. Can, can I put this on the side, brother? No. Just, just so I don't break it. <laughs> Knowing me, I'll break something. Yes, please. Buenas tardes. Good evening. My name is uh, Manuel Gomez, a missionary in Mexico. And we're so happy to be here, glad to be here, excited to be here. And uh, I would like to share a little bit about our, ourselves. Uh, who we are and what the Lord has called us to do. My story begins uh, many years ago. Uh, my father came to this country, like uh, many people from Mexico come into this country, looking for a, a new start, for a better opportunity, running around from running, uh, running from a bad past, and uh, came into America to look for a new start, to look for the American dream, and uh, he found something better than the American dream. He found the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord changed my father's life. It, it made a difference. It took a lost man, it took a, a lost cause, and turned him into a Christian, turned him into a productive man of God. And man, Lord blessed him with a good job. He met my mother, got in church, started preaching. Man, he was living the American dream, living in a nice apartment. I was born in one of the best hospitals in Houston. He paid for it. I mean, things were grand, things were good. And then the Lord called him to go back to his own people to Mexico and preach the gospel. And he did that. He went back, he obeyed the Lord to the town of Rio Bravo, Mexico. And there we went, me, my brother, my mother. And uh, the Lord did a great work. My dad is a great man of faith. But at the same time, anything that begins, anything that starts by faith, it's a sacrifice that takes place. It's a, uh, a price that needs to be paid. And he was willing to pay that price. Now, me and my brother, we didn't quite understood what was going on. Amen. Uh, we went from living very well to uh, living in poverty conditions. And the uh, last thing we knew as kids, droves were flocking to come in, not to go out. Amen. And uh, during the summers, we could come back with our grandparents and our aunts and uncles and Man, we thought it was the greatest. Then we had to go back to Mexico, and we didn't like that, amen. There was no McDonald's in Mexico. There was no parks in Mexico. There was no public swimming pool. And we thought that was the worst, amen. But uh, without knowing it, without knowing, growing up, I did grow with a little resentment in my heart. And I said, as soon as I grow up, I'm going to get as far away as I can from Mexico. I may go to Maine, amen. Just... <laughs> As far as, I can, as far as I can get away from Mexico, and I'm going to get as far as I can from the ministry. I don't want nothing to do with church. I don't want nothing to do with Mexico. I'm going to do my own thing. And I was a 50-year-old uh, uh, young man already making plans, you know, how far I could get and where, what I would do without God. And then in a service like this, Madam Morris, Mexico, an old preacher got behind the pulpit and he preached the word of God. He preached a great message. Now, I had heard a lot of great messages before I grew up in church all my life. But this message was different because the Holy Spirit used it to convict my heart. He let me know that night that even though I was not a drunkard or I was not a, addicted to any drugs or I hadn't stolen any money, 
I was lost and going to hell like anybody else that had done it. Because I had pride in my heart and I was self-righteous and I thought I was good. And all I was was just a rebel. That's all I was within my heart. A rebel still in the house. I came forward that night and I asked the Lord to forgive me, to save me. And he did. Amen. Amen. I know he did. I know he saved me and he changed me because he changed my heart. He changed my desires. I always said I would never be a preacher. And the Lord called me to preach the following year. Amen. <laughs> never tell the Lord what you're not willing to do because he'll make you do it just because, just because he can. Amen. And just so he will get the glory out of who God is. Amen. And I enrolled in Bible Institute there uh, for three years. And after graduating from Bible Institute, I uh, helped alongside my father's ministry, planted uh, several churches. I thought I was there uh, uh, for life. I enjoyed it. I loved it dearly. And then the Lord allowed us to take a trip into the southern part of Mexico, a place called Michoacan, a place that was completely foreign to us. And uh, what we saw broke my heart. We literally went to town after town, village after village, with no gospel witness whatsoever. I've seen poverty all my life, but what I saw down there was just was just something else. I'd seen the spiritual need, but it was certainly different there. And I came back, told my father about it, and newly married, went to a, a place uh, different that we didn't know, Michoacan, and there we started off a ministry. Again, anything that started by faith, anything that begins, their sacrifice. We too had to learn what it was to live without electricity, without water, the first three years, sleeping on the floor. Uh, on top of that, things were already difficult. But on the third year of our ministry there, an all-out drug war broke loose uh, throughout the country of Mexico. And Michoacan became the epicenter of that drug war. Since it's a drug-producing state and uh, it's a mountainous area where people can get away from uh, federal authorities, it, it became ground zero for all the cartel activity. Uh, any productive people would, put, put, uh, would, would come out of town, would leave town. Missionaries were not exempt. They were, also, they were also touched by the violence. Many testimonies. We weren't exempt. My, one of my younger brothers was kidnapped. Not only that, uh, uh, we were stopped several times by the cartels and things got difficult. I do remember one time in particularly coming in from the community of uh, uh, one of the communities where we do ministry. And as we were coming into town, it's the mask, amen? Yes, sir. Uh, can I just breathe like this, Pastor? Uh, as we, were com as we were coming in from town, uh, we see an individual, cartel individual, and he's pulling cars over. And uh, we would find out later that uh, a major drug lord has been arrested in town. And uh, in order for him not to be extradited to Mexico City, they decided to block all the entrance in town, five of them. And there we are. And as I'm coming in, I see the armed man. The line begins to form. He comes to the first vehicle and be begins beating the driver mercilessly because he wouldn't let go of his car. He finally, 
he finally couldn't fight anymore. He took his car and blocked part of the road. He's trying to form a road blockade. He comes to the second vehicle and does the same thing. He comes back, he's armed, and he stops right beside me. Our eyes meet for about three seconds that seemed like an eternity. My wife is crying. She sees what's going on. Our two girls have hidden themselves. Uh, I'm asking the Lord, what's the best way I can protect my family? After those three seconds, he continues directly to the vehicle behind us and does the same thing he did to the first two vehicles, leaving us untouched and unharmed. Boy, I believe somebody was praying for us. Amen. I don't know what this man saw, but I believe the angel of the Lord was right there with us, watching over us and protecting us. We were left by the side of the road there, two in the morning, past midnight. We could hear smokes. We could see smoke. We could hear the firefights. We could hear the hysteria of what's going on. Nobody can come in and out of town for hours. You can see the military. And I'm inside my little truck, and uh, me and the Lord had a long talk that night. And I said, Lord, I told you I would follow you anywhere. But I didn't know this was going to be a part of the plan. And we talked, and the Lord just let me know in my heart that he would be with me. He would watch over me. He would take care of me. He said, just like I took care of you just right now, I'll be with you. Just stay faithful. And I thank God that uh, we did, we stayed, and by the grace of God, the Lord's allowed us to start six churches now by the grace of God. Six churches like this one that are now meeting, six churches, three of those in places where prior to us arriving there was no gospel witness at all. Places where lives are being transformed, where the gospel is being preached, where preachers are being trained. We're currently starting a Bible Institute with, with 12 students. God is doing a great and mighty thing in Mexico, amen? He's still moving. It continues to be a dangerous part of the world, especially where we are, but, but God is able to keep us safe, amen? And I would much rather be in the middle of a drug war in God's will than be somewhere that's safe outside of, the God, outside of God's will, amen? Uh, because then there I would be in danger, amen? That's, that's where I believe I would be in danger. But God is faithful, God is good, pray for us. Uh, uh, our family has grown since the last time we were uh, in our trip uh, with Help Ministries. Uh, our ministry has grown, and we want to do more. We have projects. We're currently in the middle of a building project. We want to do more. Just, just, just keep us in your prayers, amen. Pray for us. We have some prayer cards back there alongside Brother Tom Knickerbocker's books, and we would like uh, for you to take one and keep us in your prayers, amen. How many of you here like Mexican food? Raise your hand. Look at all these godly people you have here, brother. How many of you here don't like Mexican food? That's okay. It's not for everybody. You can raise your hand. Amen, sister. Well, after this, after this sermon, we have an altar here where you can come and get right with God. And... No, I'm just kidding. Let's do this. All of you who do like Mexican food, every time you eat Mexican food, you remember to pray for this family that's in Mexico. Pretty simple, amen? Lord, would you bless my chimichangas and would you bless Brother Gomez, Amen. 
chimichangas and Brother Gomez will forever be linked in your vocabulary. Amen. You say, Lord, bless these burritos and bless Brother Gomez. Amen. Uh, he's preaching down there and he needs our, our prayers. Uh, uh, he has his wife, four daughters. And would you watch over him? Would you pray for him? So please go back there, take a prayer card and, and remember to pray for us. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 9. It's already been good to be here and people come and shake our hands and ask questions and take our prayer cards and are interested Thank you for being here, and thank you for being part of the work of God. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 9. If you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's word, please. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 9. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, He entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy from whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he had built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends unto him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man sat under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned them about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening that we can be here in your house. And Lord, thank you for the, the blessing it is to be uh, under the preaching of your word and to be able to assemble even in these times. And Lord, I do ask that you speak to our hearts and our minds. And Lord, would you challenge us in this matter of uh, serving you, in this matter of living for you and and doing for, for others. Would you touch hearts? Uh, would you make me a blessing tonight, this evening, to your people that have come? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Bible tells us that uh, the story of this centurion's man whose servant, who's dear unto him, is sick and is really bad. He's getting ready to die. You know it's bad when you're getting uh, ready to die. And uh, 
There's several things here that take place that we will try to preach about. But at the end of it all, the Bible says that when Jesus heard everything that was going on, uh, when, when Jesus heard everything that was going on, in verse, in verse 9, he marveled at him and turned him about. He marveled at him. Jesus uh, was marveled after he heard this story. Jesus was beside himself. Jesus was impressed. Jesus was in awe. Now, I marvel at the fact that Jesus marveled. I'm impressed. I'm impressed at the fact that Jesus was impressed. I'm in awe at the fact that Jesus was in awe. Now, for me and you, it doesn't take much for us to be impressed or for us to marvel. We're impressed, we're in awe with any little thing, amen. Uh, we're impressed with big trucks and fast cars and technology and big houses and uh, sportsmen and we're impressed with, uh, with athletes and uh, everything impresses us, amen. Women say that they're not easily impressed, but you take them to a Walmart and try to see if they can get their shopping in 30 minutes, and they can't, amen? <laughs> We're all easily impressed, amen? And things just grab our attention easily, amen? And, and we fall easily for things, for people. We're a people easily impressed. But when the Bible says that Jesus marvel, when Jesus is beside himself, when Jesus is impressed, uh, I, I'm impressed. Because we are talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about the one that created everything into existence. We're talking about the one that when nothing existed, he called it into existence. He created the beautiful mountains. He created the trees are in the mountains. He created the creatures that live in the mountain. He created the rivers. He created the seas. He created the planets. He created everything that's wonderful, everything that is beautiful. Every single color was made by him. All these trees and all these leaves, as the changing color, as beautiful as they are, it was created by God. And you tell me that he's impressed? Well, I'm impressed. I'd like to preach just a couple of minutes, son. What I believe made an impression on our Lord. Now before I continue. Let me tell you. Before I continue. Let me tell you what doesn't impress our Lord. First of all. God is not impressed by talent. Did y'all hear that? You can have all the talent in the world. And that doesn't impress God. To begin with. He's the one that gave you that talent. And if you have any ability. It's because God gave it to you. You can have all the talents in the world. He's not impressed by that. He's not impressed by beauty. It doesn't matter how many days uh, your grandmother and, and, and grandfather tell you you're beautiful. Or it doesn't matter what your mom or dad tells you. It's a good thing that you, you're special. But that doesn't impress God. Amen. You don't get up in the early, make your hair, and put everything on, and God says, wow, you're beautiful. He's altogether lovely, amen? He, he's not impressed by that, you know? Sorry to shock you, amen? <laughs> Thirdly, he's not impressed with, with riches, with wealth, with treasure. 
You know, uh, people in this world live to make treasures and to gather treasures, and people write books about them and stories about them, and the media glorifies them, how smart or smart they are and how they invest and how you should invest. Let me tell you, God is not impressed with that. As a matter of fact, if God ever wants that, just with one single thing like COVID, it can all go away very easy, amen? He's not impressed with that. But we do find in the Bible that there's one thing that always grabbed the attention of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's one thing that always stopped him on his tracks. There's one thing that he always commented on. There's one thing that always was special to him and he taught his disciples. And if there's one thing that always impressed our Lord was faith. Faith in him Faith in God always moved them. If there's something that impresses God, is faith. Let me tell you the kind of faith that we see in here. First of all, a faith that impresses our Lord is a faith very simple that loves other people. A faith that loves other people. All, through, all throughout the ministry of Jesus, people are selfish. People are thinking for themselves. People are asking for themselves. People are worried for themselves. People can only think for themselves. And here's a man, when he has the attention of Jesus, and he can get anything of Jesus that he wants and he desires, he doesn't ask something for himself, but he asks for somebody else. His heart is broken. His heart is hurting over a need, not that he has, but over a need of somebody else. And God is impressed because finally he finds a man that's not to consume on himself and is willing and has a heart to think about others. Amen. See, this is the heart of Christ. And there's a similitude here. There's something here that, that's ringing a bell with the Lord. You know, Jesus did not come here to serve himself, but he came to serve others. He came to this earth and he ministered to others. And he prayed for others. And he healed others. And at the cross, uh, where even when he was dying, he didn't die for sins that he committed, but he died for the sins of others. Amen. The people thought that they were making a mockery of him. And people thought they were making fun of him when he said, Others did he save, yet he cannot save himself. No, that was not a mockery. That was actually a good statement. He didn't come to save himself. He was not thinking about himself. He came to give his life and ransom for others. Amen. You know... The furthest you're away from God. You want to you have a litmus test in your life? You know you're far away when all you do is think about yourself. You know why people are so depressed nowadays? Because they can't stop thinking about themselves. You can say amen right there. And somebody didn't shake my hand. And somebody didn't do for me. And somebody didn't think about me. And somebody mistreated me. Would you just get a little bit over yourself and find out that God has called us to think about others? When was the last time you served others? When was the last time your heart was broken over somebody else's need and not your need in particular? 
When was the last time you approached heaven and said, Lord, I just want to thank you for everything. And I don't want to ask anything for me today, tonight. I just want to ask you for this dear sister and brother that are struggling. Lord, would you help them? A faith that loves others moves our Lord because this is the heart of the Lord. Secondly, a faith that causes our Lord to marvel. It's very simple. It's a faith that loves the unloved. Here we have a centurion, a Roman, that his heart is broken over the need of someone that society considers not to be important. It's just a servant. And servant is just a good word for a slave. And before anybody else, before anybody gets scared with that word slave, let me tell you that slavery is part of our human history and our human condition. Slavery was a reality here. Slavery was a reality in Mexico. Slavery was a reality with the Aztec Indians as they enslaved other tribes. Slavery has always been a history of all people. And as I take it a step further, before me and you were ever saved, we were also servants or slaves to sin, but Jesus came to set us free. Amen? Everybody gets offended with that word slave and slavery. It's, it's just our fallen condition. Amen? A faith that loves the unloved. Here's a servant who can't own any property. A servant who has no say, a servant who's not considered important, a servant. And here's a centurion that his heart is broken over somebody that society considers not to be important. This does something in the heart of Christ. You know, it's easy, easier to love someone that we think deserves to be loved. It's easy to love someone that would help us and pay us with a favor later, later on along the road. It's easy to try to give to someone who, who we'll know uh, will pay us back one way or another or help us along the way. But who cares for the down? Who cares for the loss? Who cares for those who can't even help themselves? Who cares about those who have, uh, who have gone and touched rock bottom? Who cares for those who can't help anybody? Who, help, who cares about those that are just a burden? Jesus does, amen? Jesus cares for them. That's the only reason that we're saved. Because even though we had nothing to offer God but brokenness and sin, and our best works were as filthy rags, Yet Jesus loved us, even though we had nothing to offer God. He loved us. He loved us. A faith that loves the unloved. I'm glad that God loves the unloved and unlovable, because that's the only way that I could be loved. Amen. Yet somehow we become Christians. We learn the Bible. We learn how to dress right. And we decide who deserves to be loved and who doesn't deserve to be loved. Oh, no. Jesus loves all. Even those who don't deserve the unlove. Thirdly, a faith that causes our Lord to marvel. 
You go with me there to verse 5, please. Luke chapter 7, verse 5. The Bible says that the, the elders of the Jews said, said this of Jesus. You can read it together with me. Verse 5. One, two, three. For he loveth and he hath built us a synagogue. Let's read it again at the count of three. One, two, three. For he You, you underline that in the Bible. The Bible says that the elders of the Jews, I'm just going to turn it around, amen. The Bible says that the elders of the Jews came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you got to do something for this centurion. Because this centurion is something special. He loves our people. Now, it's something for you to say, I love other people. But it's something for other people to say of you, he loves our nation. And the Jewish people said of this Roman centurion, he loveth our nation. Now, this is odd. This is odd. Because the Roman people don't like the Jewish people. The Roman people look at the Jewish nation as a bunch of rebels, stubborn, looking for ways to, to, to overturn the authority. And the Jewish people look at the Roman Empire as a bunch of oppressors, hungry for taxes, uh, putting down other nations, including themselves. So much that when somebody else does business with the Romans like Zacchaeus and, and the publicans, they're considered traitors. They, they just can't stand each other. They don't like each other. Uh, Romans keep to themselves. Uh, the Jewish people keep to themselves. They don't like each other. They just put up with each other because they have to. And they try to do the best they can. But somehow this centurion didn't get the memo. He loves the Jewish people. I don't know if it's their food. I don't know what it is. But he likes being around them. They have good community, good fellowship. They love each other. Very, very odd. He loves them so much. That there was a time when the Jewish nation, the Jewish people in his place needed a, a place where they could worship. A place where they could come together. A place where they could, they could read the scripture. A place where they could pray. A place where they could gather. And they didn't have the funds. They didn't have the money. They were so poor they couldn't do it. And, and when this centurion heard about it, they testified him. And he had built us a synagogue. A Roman who was not even a Jewish took out of his own pocket and he paid to build them a synagogue where they could worship God. Jesus is impressed. I'd like to say that a faith that impresses our Lord, causes our Lord to marvel, very simple, is a faith that loves other people, a faith that loves other nations. Amen. Thank God for this country. Thank God for this nation. I know you love this nation. You are to love this nation. You pray for this nation. This is the greatest nation on earth with all its faults and all its mistakes. It still stands for truth, for 
for liberty, for justice. This is the greatest nation on earth. You ought to love it. But may God also give us a heart and a love for other nations as well. Amen. Other nations that are not as privileged as this nation. Other nations where terrorists run rampant. Other nations where cartels do whatever they can. Other nations where women are treated as property. Other nations that don't have water, that suffer. May God give us a heart and do something for those nations in the world. Now, how do we love the nations? How do we love other people? Well, that's why we're having missions conference. We believe that the best way we can love the countries of the world is giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand that we can give them clean water. We can give them bread, but they'll be hungry again. They'll be thirsty again. We can send them clothes. But sooner or later, they will, they, they'll, they'll use them all. But if you give them the gospel... The gospel is the gift that keeps on giving and keeps on giving. A faith that loves other nations causes our Lord to marvel. We have very different ideas of what kind of churches impress the Lord. Sometimes we think to ourselves, man, that, that church over there, you know, it's nice, it's wonderful. They have a beautiful water fountain. They turn on different color lights at night. Man, that's where it's at. Say, man, that church, you know, they got so many programs. They, man, they're just involved in everything. But then you just take a peek and a look. What are they doing for missions and for other countries as far as sending the gospel? And you'll be surprised to find out that they're not doing a whole lot. Yet there might be a church like this. It's a beautiful church, by the way. But just let me say this, a church like this that might not be the biggest, might not be the fanciest, may not have the best parking lot, may not have the best spot on the main road. A little town like this hidden out here in the middle of nowhere and just a few people, not a lot of people. And like the Bible says, uh, just a few, uh, not, not many powerful, not, 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 not many, not many uh, prosperous people. In other words, none of us here are super rich. Amen. Nobody ever here may, uh, has hit the, the, has hit the pot. Uh, but, but, but we're trying to do what we can. And, and we take money apart and, and we give to missions so the missionaries can preach and national pastors can preach in, in India and Myanmar and all over the world. And this money that could probably be used here. Uh, to better this church and money that we could use for needs that we have here in this church but you decide to give to missions you decide to send it around the world and Jesus says that's what impresses me a faith that loves other nations a faith that has a heart to see other people come to the Lord why does this impress our Lord well 
Our Lord loves all the nations of the world. It's said of him that he died for all. He died for all, whether yellow, black, or white, or brown. They're all precious in his sight. He died for all. You go to the book of Revelation and before the throne, the Bible says that people of every kindred, people of every tribe, people of every tongue are before the Lamb and they worship Him and they worship Him and He takes pleasure in the worship of all the nations. God loves the nations and I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of what God loves. Amen? I want to love what He loves and if He loves missions and if He loves missionaries and if He love for the word of God to go out I want to be a part of it amen. amen lastly a faith that causes our Lord to marvel is a faith that believes the word of God Bible says that Jesus is coming to the centurion's house maybe he plans on praying for the centurion he plans on entering the house, and here comes the Lord, and as he's coming to the house of the centurion, the centurion sends over friends and messengers, and they tell the Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Oh, wow. This is a powerful man. This is a man of good standing with the community. This is a moral man as far as we know. This is a, 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 a man that spreads his wealth around. This is a man that's regarded in high stature. This is a man that people think it's important. But when he sees Jesus come his way, he feels this small. Amen. He feels little. He says, I know who I am and I know who you are. And I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof but he says this word by the way if you're ever going to approach Jesus this is how you approach Jesus you understand who you are you understand you're a sinner you understand that your good works as good as they might be they're filthy rags before the throne amen we're nothing and he's everything amen he's a holy God and and he says these things to the Lord Lord trouble not thyself I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. And he says, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. Just say a word. I know there's power in your word. I know there's healing in your word. I know there's salvation in your word. I know there's power in your word. I know your word can change anything. And the Lord is besides himself. He's impressed. He marvels. The only thing that he's found so far is rejection of his word, is mockery of his word, is rejection of his word. And here's a man that's not even a Jew. And he believes in the power of his word and says, just say the word. Amen. Jesus is. I don't know if you noticed, but the world is not doing very good right now. Just a news flash, amen. <laughs> Mexico is not doing very good right now. Everything is crumbling. Political systems are crumbling. Economic systems are crumbling. Governing is crumbling. 
Everybody's happy because there's a check, right? Everything that goes up is going to come down. And everything comes with a price. I mean, it's okay, you know, enjoy it and, and give two missions, you know. But, but don't, get too, don't get too overconfident, amen. We're, we're not doing too good right now. Are we all in agreement? But as the foundations of this world shake, as the governments tremble, as our economy is uncertain, there's one thing that we can trust. There's one thing we can put our faith in. His word. We can trust the word of God. Listen, more than ever, we need to get around the word of God. More than ever, we need to build our homes around the word of God. More than ever, we need to have our families and our kids and our babies around the word of God. This is not a time to quit church. This is not a time to leave church. This is a time to hold on, amen, to the word of God and, and believe it and, and have faith in it, amen. The word of God. You hear you're lost without Christ. The only way that you get saved is very simple. It's believing in the word of God. The Word of God says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the Word of God also says that while we were all sinners, Jesus died for us. And the Word of God says whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The only difference between a lost man and a saved man, a lost woman and a saved woman is the trust in the Word of God. And if you've never been saved and you're hearing me, Maybe you have religion. Maybe you come to church all your life. But there's never come a time when you put all your trust and confidence in your word of God. In the word of God. You can be saved this evening. I'm almost finished. Whether you know it or not, we all live to impress people. It happens when we're small. I have a four-year-old daughter. Her name is Bella. You see her in my prayer card. She's just smiling away. And she, li she lives for daddy's attention and approval. She'll make a drawing. She says, what do you think, dad? And she, she will not move until she, hear, he, she hears me say, it's beautiful, amen. We talk on the phone, and she starts A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, 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 all over, amen. She says, how do I do, daddy? You know what she wants to hear? Did it great. Man, that makes her day. That makes her day. Then little kids grow up, and they become young teenagers, you know, senoritas. And then the boys live to impress the senoritas, amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? We're always impressing somebody. 
you get your first job and you want to impress your boss, man. You want him to give you a raise. You want him to give you extra hours. You just, you, you try to leave everything clean. You want to impress him. You want him to like you. You don't want him to fire you. you you're living to impress him. Always impressing people. Then you get married. And you try to impress your mother-in-law. That never works. Well, not for me anyhow, amen. May God help us to live to impress him. I, I, I know we fall short each time. I, I, I know. But the Bible tells us there's a man here that made an impression on the Lord. And I want to live in such a way that he's impressed. And if the world is not impressed, and if my family is not impressed, and if our, my friends are not impressed, and if my neighbors are not impressed, I really don't care. I want to live to impress him in all I do. Well, how do I do that? Well, loving others, loving the unloved. Loving other nations, the nations of the world. As we pray for missionaries, as we give to missions, as we sacrifice. And loving his word. The word of God. Let's pray, let's bow our heads. Who are you trying to impress? Whose approval are you seeking? Who do you want to be happy with you? Maybe that's why there's no joy in your life. Maybe that's why there's no contentment in your life. I'll just tell you right off the bat, you're never going to make everybody happy. You, you want to know what a, a mature Christian is? It's someone that lives to try to please him. May God help us. Let's pray. Pastor, would you come? Pastor, would you do as the Lord leads you to do? Hebrews chapter 11 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. May God help us to strive to please the one We're going to go ahead and, and pray here in a moment. But God's speaking to your heart. I, I encourage you to, to humble yourself, to, to come before him and seek his face and get those things right. Maybe God's working in your heart about something specific. Maybe God is calling you. Maybe God is convicting you. I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but God certainly may be moving. I'm, what a wonderful message from the word of God we received tonight. May God bless us. If God's touching your heart, and if you're not saved here tonight, I know I know that we've got our, our Sunday afternoon or evening crowd. But if God's touched your heart, you know you're not saved. You can come, and I'll take a Bible. We'll show you what the Word of God has to say about how you can know where you'll spend eternity. Uh, but let's go ahead and, and and pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us, for how you work in our lives. Thank you for this message. 
uh, that we've that we've heard tonight, Lord, and and the Spirit, which which opens up our eyes, uh, gives us understanding, convicts our hearts. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would have your way with us, Lord. That you would that you would move us, Lord, to love one another, Lord, to 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 give to missions, to to have a desire to serve in missions, Lord, to pray for our missionaries, uh, Lord, to to be. A missionary father god i pray that you would just work in each one of us god you call us all to that lord your word says go ye it not doesn't say for others to go it says for us to go now we may not all go to uh, to those foreign countries but father you call us to go i pray you help us to be a missionary wherever you plan us wherever you send us lord help us to to to, to love others to share the gospel to be uh, that one Lord, i pray that you would just have your way in Jesus' precious name. Amen.